You are listening to the Consig Fireside Chat Podcast, where the Consig Global Sales Mercenaries get to have a quick moment with the best in the business from around the world. Be sure to check out our website at www.consig.com for more details. If you want to be a guest on the show, please reach out to podcast at consig.com. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, hello. This is Mitra, the Marketing Director of Consig. And today we have Xia Jingheng, or JH, for short as most of his friends call him. He is a Web 3.0 strategist, consulting and aiding companies looking to adopt NFTs and related consumer blockchain technologies as part of their business model. On the side, JH also has a strong passion and dives deep into spirituality, the study of energies and subconscious mind development. So, JH... Tell us the most impactful story of your career. Yeah, so actually, there are many impactful moments in my career because I'm someone who tends to reflect a lot. You know, so every time I reflect, I mean, generally, I reflect when things go bad, right? Because that's where we learn the most. But if I were to pinpoint down to one of the most important transitions in my career, you know, from when my career was in a very difficult phase to how it actually turned better, it was in 2017. So just a bit of background. I started off my career in sales, um, interestingly, in a network marketing company, right? So for those of you who don't know, you know, what network marketing companies are, basically, uh, the company sells certain product or services, right? And then, you know, um, the consumers purchase the products and services, but the consumers can also become salespeople, right? So they yeah. can actually promote the products and services and also earn commission from there, right? So I started off in a company, and you know that in most of these network marketing companies, it involves recruitment of like new affiliates or new sales associates. So I remember when I first started off my sales career, I was a pretty selfish person, you know. Uh, perhaps most salespeople sound that way, you know, we're just in it for the money, we just want to earn the money for ourselves. Just very self-motivated. While I was working very hard, you know, but my output was always, or rather the results I was getting, always didn't match up to my output. So in, and in terms of like, you know, sales associate retention, customer retention, it was very, very low, right? So they reached a point where in 2017, you know, I was going to, I, I came across this couple, right? And this couple wanted to join my organization, right? So back then, um, they were about, I was probably about 22 then. They were about, you know, 18-ish. So long story short, they bought a package from me, you know, they came in. And I remember that earlier in my career, earlier in my network marketing career, right? I was facing the situation where, you know, people join, people buy, and then after that, they leave very quickly, right? And I remember when the first time this couple came in, okay, I remember the, the night after that, they were extremely enthusiastic. They texted me, you know, throughout the night about, you know, the product information and, and whatsoever, right? So that was the first time that I actually received, like, such enthusiastic teammates, you know, in the network marketing context, right? So perhaps after facing so much, you know, um, non-smooth sailing circumstances for such a long time, when I finally have like, you know, good teammates per se, I was actually really grateful. So I remember back then I used to be someone who will sleep by, you know, 11 p.m. every single night. I was very disciplined with my sleep, okay? But at a point in time, when the two of them, you know, uh, came in and they were asking me so many questions about the product, you know, the, the business model whatsoever, I remember that night I stayed up to like 1 a.m. First time in my life, you know, I made an, an exception for someone just to do it because at a point, I really cherished that, you know, um, they were so interested, you know, in the business. And so that was the, the first turning point. It was the first point where 
I, instead of being self-centered, I actually grew to become someone who's more interested in the other person, right? And another encounter came where one day through a casual chat, you know, with the two of them, this is this young couple, I got to find out that they were not from very good family backgrounds, right? So um, the boy was born in a family where he has a single mom. A single mom makes about, you know, two, two, three child, two, three thousand Singapore dollars a month and has to, you know, feed like him and his younger brother. And both of them are, you know, going to university, right? So income status, not very good, right? And, and for the girl, you know, family's all okay, but there's quite a bit of siblings. There's three of them, okay, maybe not a lot in other countries' context, but in Singapore, three is above average, I would say, right? So the, the dad is a sole breadwinner of the company, but her dad was working as a carpenter and he doesn't speak English, he doesn't speak Mandarin, only speaks Hokkien, which is like a dialect. So, you know, in this kind of job, if he loses his job, it's very hard for him to find another job again. So at that point in time, when I knew that these two young people actually, you know, committed some money to, to buy the products, you know, to, to come, to enter the business, right? To enter the so-called network marketing business, suddenly suddenly i just forgot about myself right i was extremely touched and i don't know just some something inside me triggered and i just felt extremely grateful and i just told my i remember at that point in time when i heard their story i just told myself that okay no matter what i'm going to give my best to these two people and make sure that you know they do well in this career and they can make good enough money right because given their circumstance they are willing to part with x amount of money with me i feel that i owe them something right so that was the first time in my life where I started to focus beyond myself, right? And gradually this mindset, I internalized it. So as I progressed forward, you know, the, the different clients I met, you know, the different team, team, potential team members that I met, I treated them the same way, you know, where I always thought to myself, how can I leave this person better off than when I first met them? And just that year alone, you know, from just making a meager income of like, a few hundred to a low thousand back then. Of course, I was a student, so that income is still reasonable. I grew the business exponentially till towards the end of the year, 2017, I, was, I made my first five-figure paycheck. So all driven through this, you know, selfless attitude. So that was the most, one of the most impactful moments in my career where I understood the concept of how if we want to do better in life, sometimes it's better to be more outward focused. Sorry if it's too long. It's amazing. I love how you actually not only created an impactful moment for yourself, but for others as well. That's amazing. Um, all right, let's move on to the next question, which is how would you describe your industry? So my own industry or my current industry? So previously I came from network marketing, right? So now currently I'm in the Web3 space. So I'll say that in both industries that I'm in, both industries are greatly misunderstood. Right. So nail marketing has a very bad rep in the market. If you tell someone that you're doing body level marketing or nail marketing, you definitely get shot down real bad. Right. But I'll say that to give the industry its credit, without me going through that whole process for a good, perhaps a good three years, three, three to four years, I wouldn't have grown from an introvert to someone who's, you know, daring to do podcasts like this, picking in front of the stage, and most importantly, picking up people's skills, which I feel is so important. Right. Because I feel that in every single business or in every single career, there's only one variable that is, that is the same, which is people, right? If you know how to handle and master people skills, you can basically master over any single industry because there's no industry in the world that doesn't deal with people, right? Customers are people, investors are people, your bosses are people, colleagues are people. So the better we are at knowing how to handle people, then the better we are at achieving so-called success. So I'll say that 
Network marketing is very overrated because when people see the surface, they just see all the bad rep. But if you really go through that process, you'll definitely come out of it. I mean, if you are, you know, you follow the right team and then you really work hard and you learn properly, you can actually pick up a lot of these valuable people skills. They'll make you very versatile as a leader, right? And that was what I, I have, okay? And in terms of the Web3 industry, why do I say it's greatly misunderstood as well? Because um, I think a lot of the industry right now is based on FOMO and hype, right? If you are really into NFTs, non-fungible tokens, you know, crypto whatsoever, or, or more likely Web3, you know, non-fungible tokens, you'll see that many of the projects are just revolving around uh, the same team, you know, they, they have a very similar style of doing things. It's either a play-to-earn concept, you know, or you buy the NFT and then, you know, you enter like an exclusive club. But so there, 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 isn't, um, there isn't much understanding about the industry as of now. You know, people are just basing the industry off what are the current business use cases. They haven't really, most people haven't read deeper yet to understand the full potential of the technology. So I feel that in regards generally, you know, how I describe the industries that I was in before, they're all greatly misunderstood. Okay. It's great. I think we have continuity to the next question. Since you actually mentioned that's like great, um, you know, uh, people do not understand the industry much. Um, let's move on to the next question. What are some of the key things you want the world to know about your industry, basically? About, so if I talk about, if I talk about the Web3 industry specifically, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be game-changing because so Web3 is generally, you know, um, the idea of this new internet that is built on the blockchain, right? So the blockchain is going to be a, it's going to be a pretty groundbreaking industry and, and a, few, a few things that really interest me about it, right? So firstly is the decentralized nature where it's very grassroots, it's very bottom-up versus top-down, right? And secondly, how through this new technology and through this new way of doing things, there can be a greater there can be more equality in the distribution of wealth right so let me let me give some examples so um in terms of decentralization right what you'll see is that with web3 you can you can actually involve the consumers in the building process so there's actually this um just an example right there's actually this non-fungible token this nft project i saw you know some 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 many months back where the NFT, so we know most NFTs are all like, you know, art, pictures, whatsoever. So this NFT is very interesting. It's literally like a black background and they're like just words on it, right? And I think the lowest price that one of them sell for is, I think probably, it, the project is called Loot Project, to whoever listener who, who knows the project. It's called Loot, right? And it's, it's just like gaming words name. So imagine a black background, right? And then just like white color words and all the words are describing game sounding items. So, the, so in the traditional gaming context, right, in general, in the general context, the game companies develop the game and they sell to the market. The players play, maybe some of them get addicted, they pay money, and that's how the game companies make money. So it's like a top-down, right? In this loot project, what I see is that when you get one of these NFTs, okay, that describe that has this different game item names on it. And someone else has another of these NFT that's another set of game item names on it. What I see is that a community who bought this NFT who can come together and now conceptualize their own game based on whatever's written on each of their NFTs, right? Because they are the consumer, so they know best what the market wants. 
So they come together, they build their own game. Eventually, they sell this game that belongs to everyone. And when the money is made, it flows back to everyone. So there's kind of like no balls in this whole structure. So of course, that is the more extreme example of decentralization. But from a from a more from a more um, relatable example, one example could be example your furniture company, right? So generally, furniture companies they they might have an in-house team that designs furnitures and you know sell it to the market. So what a furniture company could also do is that they could release a tier of NFTs as a special kind of membership for its very loyal customers, right? So these loyal customers, when they buy this membership, they can actually gain early, early news and early information, early insights into the latest design collections, like furniture designs, and they can be the first to buy. Right? So it's like an exclusive priority queuing kind of membership. But at the same time, this furniture company, before they launch any new design, they could also bounce off to this community of loyal members who are willing to buy the membership to get their feedback on how this design looks like. If the majority consensus feels that it's good, so it's like you're involving through tokenization, you're involving them in the co-creation process, right? And when majority of them feel that this concept is, you know, passable and it's good to go in the market, whatever sales generated from this particular piece that the community agrees on, a percentage of the sales proceeds can be redistributed to them. So I see that NFTs, Web3 is a very good way to involve the consumers in this decentralized manner, right? And another example, talking about, I, I hope this is not too long, but just to share, um, talking about um, how wealth can be redistributed more equally, right? It's a, it's a recent news I came across where there's this whole idea about a decentralized messaging app, right? So we know that, okay, messaging apps aside, right now, most social media companies, how it works is that, you know, they, they have our data, you know, our consumer behavior. And of course, they so-called indirectly sell this data to advertisers who wants to advertise to specific groups of, of us, okay? So in the Web3 world, people are transacting through their blockchain wallets, you know, their MetaMask wallets whatsoever. So based on someone's purchasing behavior, even in the current world, you know, whatever someone buys from his e-commerce, buys from Amazon, Lazada, you can roughly tell what sort of person he or she is like. So likewise, in someone's NFT wallet, whatever NFT he or she owns, you can roughly form, form a persona of this person. So let's say stereotypically, if this person owns some bought apes, right, the monkey JPEG that costs at least a few hundred thousand dollars for one, right, and a crypto punk, which probably costs a few hundred thousand as well, you probably know that this person is a wealthy person. So from a marketing point of view, if you know that this particular holder holds this NFT in his wallet, he's probably a high net worth, and you want to market to a high net worth. So what if you could send a direct message a direct marketing message to this person. In the web tool world, where there's LinkedIn, right, let's, let's talk about LinkedIn. If you want to send a, a direct message to someone, you pay LinkedIn the money, right? So LinkedIn is a middleman that, that eventually, that owns the data, kind of, and monetizes all the data. But what if in the web three context, you own your own wallet, right? If someone wants to send you a marketing message, they have to pay you. So whatever advertising dollars that once used to be paid to LinkedIn cannot be paid to you the end consumer itself. So I see it as a very beautiful redistribution of wealth in the Web3 context. So these are just two things that I find really interesting about MySpace, Web3, and what I would like to share here. Okay, these are definitely interesting things that I actually did not know of as well, which is pretty cool. Um, I think the next question is going to be super interesting because I feel like your industry definitely flourished during COVID. But anyway, how do you actually address your 
industry facing COVID situation globally? So, I think, um, like you said, Web3 definitely flourished during COVID. In fact, uh, you know, you know the, the, the climax of, okay, I'll say climax of Web3 is the metaverse, right? As some people put it. So I'll say that if COVID had continued on, you perhaps have, have accelerated the, the transition towards the metaverse, right? Where we're living in this virtual reality, 3D-like world. You know, because we cannot, you know, people always say that a Zoom meeting, especially a Zoom strategic meeting, always feels different from like you going to the office and you know, meeting the board and trashing out stuff strategically. So what if now you could just put on your pair of glasses or goggles and then you enter the metaverse and you could have this meeting, right? So I think if COVID were to come, I mean, COVID definitely accelerated the shift towards this whole crypto, NFT, online stuff in general, right? If COVID were to just persist on, get worse or whatsoever, I think it could really benefit the industry. Yeah, so that's my take. Simple take on it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, um, what do you think has changed generally with your industry or everything after COVID happened and whatnot? Yeah, perhaps I'd like to share from uh, my personal point of view, right? So I think COVID definitely forced me into a paradigm shift, right? Because before COVID, you have a certain fixed way of doing things. And for me back then, I was traveling overseas to do business because I was doing sales and business development. I had to meet people face-to-face. I, I, I thought that I had to fly overseas to meet someone face-to-face to, you know, convince them whatsoever, talk business. But after COVID, you know, we have technologies like Zoom. And when, and when I was using Zoom and communicating with all my friends from overseas from all different countries, I thought to myself like, wow, you know, feels kind of dumb that I literally spent like a few hundred dollars to travel overseas every time just to meet someone when now I can sit in the comfort of my home and have this thing called Zoom, right? So... That's one. And uh, COVID badly affected uh, my previous company, right? my, my, my previous business. So I was definitely forced to, to re-strategize, you know, to look for alternatives. And that kind of forced me to look at what's out there in the market. Right? And from there, I really picked up new skills, right? things like uh, digital marketing, things like social media branding, online branding, you know, putting myself out there on TikTok, LinkedIn, whatsoever. So generally, I think COVID programmed me to be really open to exploring new stuff, right? So me right now, as a result of COVID, I feel that I'm someone who's now really open to learning new things and exploring new things. And when someone tells me that, hey, there's something new in the market right now, you know, this thing that I never heard of, I'll really be curious to find out more. Whereas in the past, I'll probably just be like, oh no, you know, it's not related to my main business, I'm not interested. Right? So that's one change um, in terms of business-wise. And in terms of spiritually, right? Because personally, I'm a pretty uh, spiritually inclined person, right? So during COVID, I did a lot of reading, right? Because partly because you have quite a bit more free time. And uh, I read two really impactful books that I would just like to share with the audience today in case you want to check it out. The first book is called The Diamond Cutter. I'm not sure that any of you know it. It's a pretty underrated book in my opinion. So this book basically dissects karma in a in a really uh, in a really scientific way, right? So, um, through this book, I really learned the importance of two things, right? Which I really reflected on myself. Okay, the first thing is, um, the first thing is let me try to recall the point and put it into words. The first thing is total integrity, right? Which is something that 
Okay, so what total integrity is, is in whatever conversation you have in life, in business, and especially for me, you know, as a salesperson, right? Sometimes, you know, you hear people say like how salespeople sometimes you tend to exaggerate things just to close the deal. I definitely do agree with that narrative. No matter to what, to some extent, there will be some form of small exaggeration. So in this book, it talks about how if you want your business to do even better, right? I, I won't explain the exact mechanics because it's a bit a bit too abstract and technical. You got to practice the concept of total integrity where whatever is in your head, for example, you're selling this product. In your head, there's this particular impression or this, you have a certain thinking about this product yourself, right? So share exactly what you think about that product. Not anymore, you know, okay, maybe lesser, but not anymore. Don't, don't add any additional fluff to it just to close the deal. So that was one really impactful point to me. And the second point was not having any malicious thoughts towards any person. Okay, one example is, for example, you know, uh, perhaps you have a colleague that you don't like in the workplace, right? This is not my example, but just a general example. You have a colleague that you don't like in the workplace or you have a friend that you don't like in class and he or she has a minor screw up. Maybe the colleague makes a mistake and then the boss calls him or her. And then you have this, you know, silently happy feeling that, you know, like, you deserve it kind of thing, or whatever, right? So this is a thought that is extremely damaging to one's business growth, right? So I remember I recall one point, which is that if you are in the workplace and you always face a situation where people backstab you, right? The core reason is because you have this unhealthy thinking in you where every time you see someone, someone else's downfall, whether minor or major, you are secretly happy about it. So I was like, wow, you know, a lot of these are very relatable. I mean, not the backstabbing example, but there were a few other root causes of business problems and work problems that were tied down to this particular reason of being happy with other people not doing as well, right? So there was one big change in my mentality. Yeah, because in the sales industry, sometimes, you know, you have colleagues and it's very competitive, right? In Inevitably, subconsciously, you'll compare your sales results with others. And even in the, in the same company, right? If you see another team performing better, you might have a little bit of sour grapes, right? How big or how small. So after reading that book, you know, I really reflected on myself and I really managed to grow out of it, which I felt was, personally for me, I felt was extremely profound, right? And the second book was actually um, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, the famous author of The Power of Now, where it talks about presence and consciousness. So this is something that I'm working on currently this year. And uh, all these stuff, you know, I wouldn't have, we look into it, if not for COVID, like spiritually speaking. So yeah, these are the some of the main things that has changed for me. Okay, it's crazy because I have been starting to read books as well because you know I love to um, just learn something new every time, and I am definitely gonna try these two books, especially the first one because it's very very interesting. I love reading about karma and you know spirituality stuff as well, so it's really interesting. I think we did cover up the next question. So let's skip that question. Um, and let's go to, if you were to speak to people looking to at once in your industry, what would be the things you would tell them to watch out for? So for Web3Wise, don't get too caught up in the FOMO, right? Because there's a lot of buzz in the market about NFTs, how you should incorporate it into your business, how you should go into the metaverse whatsoever. A lot of it, a lot of it is FOMO in my opinion. And like I mentioned earlier, a lot of the concepts right now in the market, a lot of the businesses that revolves around NFTs whatsoever, 
are done in very general way. Like, you know, you look at the particular NFT project, you look at another project that's dealing with metaverse or NFTs, you see a lot of similarities, right? You just do your own research and you know what I'm talking about. So I would say don't go into it just because of the FOMO, just because you feel that you can make some money by selling some JPEGs or art pieces. Enter it, I would say that if you are someone who has discovered your purpose in life, right? You have discovered your purpose and you feel that there's something that you really want to do. For example, for example, um, for me, one of the things is addressing mental health issues, right? Especially in youth. Okay, or perhaps you could be passionate about animals, right? You want to save the wildlife whatsoever. If you have a certain passion in you, right, that you're really passionate about, I'll say that enter NFTs with that mentality that this is your legacy project, right? Don't see it as a money-making project. See it as a legacy project and enter it from that frame of mind. That's the best. And secondly, you know, educate yourself about Web3 technologies, read deeper. Um, right now, most of the projects are just touching on the surface, in my opinion, right? There's a lot of innovations that can be done with blockchain and, and Web3. Right, so I would say study yourself, educate yourself daily or as often as you can, and really try to innovate around the whole concept of the consumer blockchain, the decentralized infrastructure whatsoever. And yeah, you could come up with something phenomenal. So that's what I'd like to share to people who are looking to enter Web3. Very, very insightful, definitely. Um, okay. How do you spend your downtime? I know you love reading books. Let's hear something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll say the whole idea is that um, I'm really into energies and stuff as well, right? So when people are feeling down, they're vibrating at a lower energy frequency, right? So what you need to do is that you need to put yourself in an environment or yeah, in an environment or like, an exposure to higher frequencies so that it's like, a, it's like an osmosis effect, right? One part is saturated and then the last part is desaturated and then you just like spill, the more saturated portions will just spill over the less one so that both becomes roughly balanced out. So same for you, when you're feeling down, you need to be exposed to higher energy content so that you can make yourself feel better. And reading books is one way for me, right? Another way is actually meeting people who are doing better than me, okay, or rather meeting people who are so-called successful, you know, for example, people who are older than me, um, more elderly business people, more experienced business people, people who are people who have life going for them and they are full of positive energy, right? Because sometimes when you're feeling down, you just tend to you just want to cook yourself up at home and just, you know, just be emotional to yourself, right? But this is a time when you should get out of your house, you know, and force yourself to meet someone like, like those. Right? Because sometimes you see when you're vibrating at lower energy frequency, you might be intimidated to talk to someone who's like really positive right now or like doing really well. But all the more you should, right? Because when you talk to him or her, their positive energy is like a bank balance, right? You know, you have a higher bank balance, you have a lower bank balance, so they'll give some to you and you feel better. Right? So reading books is one way. Reading books is like meeting someone who's of who's wiser, who's of a certain who has a certain amount of life experience. Just that, you know, you're reading through a book, right? It's as good as having a conversation with someone. So there will still be that positive energy spillover effect, right? Um, next one is for me is uh, personally, this is a personal thing. Uh, I want to find something productive to do, right? I feel that I remember a friend of mine once told me this quote, which is the idle mind is the devil's playground, something like that, <laughs> right? So basically when you're too idle, especially when you're down, you tend to start thinking a lot of nonsense to yourself. 
you go down that negative train of thought. So that's where when you're feeling down, it might be helpful to just find something productive to do. Whether is it actually finding a work that can generate you money or an extra work, you know, or just a side hobby to keep you occupied, right? And related to this current point is the fourth thing that I find really helpful for helping me through a down period, which is to actually put yourself in service to others, to actually help others, right? So the last year, the earlier part of last year and 2020 was a pretty down period in my career because, uh, like I said, my previous business was badly affected and I was in a little bit of debt, right? So I was feeling pretty stressed sometimes, you know, over financial matters. But at the same time, I had things that um, I was still passionate in doing, right? So I actually started this small little Zoom chat, chat group every Saturday night with a group of my friends, you know, sharing some stuff that I learned spiritually and energetically because I felt that, you know, those stuff were really good in helping me in my personal growth throughout the last few years. So I just wanted to share this, you know, knowledge and these experiences to them to also help them, right? And I realized that these sessions really helped me keep my sanity, right? So I realized one thing, which is that, you know, the old saying, which is that you, you receive what you give, you know? So the more you give something, the more you receive of the same thing. So when you're feeling down, you want more positivity to bring yourself back up, right? So that's where if you want more positivity, you've got to give more positivity, right? If you want more love, love energies, you've got to give more love out there. So to me, what I feel to be, what I find to be extremely helpful when you're feeling down is to actually put yourself in service to others. Give more kindness, give more gratitude, give more good stuff out there. Although, although when you're feeling down, you might feel that you don't have anything to give, but trust me, you always have something to give. So keep giving that positivity and more positivity will come back to you and you will pick yourself back up much faster. So that's what happened for me. I really loved it. Is this Zoom group still going on? Is it like still effective and whatnot? Oh, uh, I decided to scale it. So I started a Telegram channel instead. Yeah, because oh. I realized that, yeah, correct. Okay, let me know. I would love to join as well. Sure. <laughs> okay. How do you maintain a work-life balance? Well, I'll say that um, for me, I don't really have a work-life balance because I find that my work is like my life, like my play. So I think that if you find something that you really love to do, you won't struggle with work-life balance. So every time when I'm in work, when I'm at work, right, I actually don't feel that I'm working. You know, so sometimes I get myself in a situation where I tell myself that, am I actually working enough? You know, am I like working hard enough? Because I don't feel that kind of, I don't know what you call it, stress or that kind of, you know, seriousness when I'm working. But when I look back, hey, I'm actually doing work, you know. So I think it's really important if you want to have the work-life balance. You know, aside from like, oh, you know, you need to have the absolute time balance, like, eight hours for work, two hours for family, two hours for yourself. I think instead of just having that, it's really important to find something that you really love to do for work. Even if it means earning lesser than your previous job, you know, even if it means a little bit of uncertainty, right? But as long as it calls out to you, you know, you have a passion for doing it, then you should just go for it because that's how you, that's how you can sustain yourself in the long run. Because even if you are in a high paying job, but you really dread it and it's just a dread to go to work every single day, you won't last long anyway, right? You are, you rather run life like a marathon, find something there to do and, you know, just continue down from there. So that's my take on, on work-life balance. And of course, secondly is I have, uh, I'm pretty strict with some of my me times, right? So like every morning, I make sure that I force out time, which is about one to two hours of time for myself, where I have a certain morning routine that involves meditation, you know, reflection and reading. Right, these three main things. So this is something that 
I find it really helps to ground my day that, that, that I've start with, right? So these are some, and, and for example, getting in enough sleep. So these are some of the more me time stuff that I'm really strict about in terms of work-life balance that I always make, make it a point to get in. Yeah, so that's for me. Cool, cool, cool. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to have like a me time, which I haven't been doing. I haven't been hitting the gym and all this stuff. I've been lagging really bad. Hearing you is definitely positive. I am going to try. <laughs> so no let's go on to the last thing, which is what you would like to say to the world. It's your floor to say what you want. Well, I just had this recent thought, which is that I feel that life is like a perfectly scripted drama. Right? You, know, you know, like in a drama series, right? So there are characters that are acting out their roles. Right? You know, one is the protagonist, one is the antagonist, one is the I don't know what, you know. So, but end of the day, outside of the show, these actors, they belong to the same production house and they are assumedly, you know, good friends with one another, good colleagues with one another, right? So likewise in life, um, I always feel that every single person that we meet, they are here to teach us certain lessons, right? Some of them deliver in a nice and pleasant way. Some deliver in not such a nice way, right? For example, you know, some people, they hurt you. On the surface, it might seem like they hurt you, right? But actually behind that hurt, there's always a life lesson that we can learn from that can help us grow. So instead of looking at things on the surface like this, you know, I always ask myself when I face a negative situation, what is it that I can learn from this? What is it that I can learn from this encounter? What is it that I can learn from this person? I always ask myself. So I feel that this perspective really brings me to the macro, where instead of being an actor in the drama, where I'm the protagonist and he or she's the antagonist, I bring myself out to, don't mind if I borrow the word, God's perspective, where I see, okay, this is just like a drama. Everyone's playing their role. I'm playing my role as a protagonist. He's playing his role as an antagonist, but he's just here to teach me a lesson. So let's not take it personally, and let's just pick the lesson that I'll learn from it. Because end of the day, beyond this show, right, beyond this earthly dimension, we are all like the same, and we're all like a group of friends that are all happy with each other. It's just that we temporarily wore this hat and played this role in this current lifetime. So this is something that this is a perspective that I hold inside me that I think really helps me to maintain very positive and very peaceful in every single encounter. And I feel that I feel that this perspective is very important because I see the world in a very, very binary place, you know, where people are it's all about you versus me, you know, like this camp versus that camp, this, don't mind me saying, this country versus that country, this group versus the other group. So instead of seeing it as I versus you, why not we look at things in the macro and hey, you know, all these are just part of like a, 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 a bigger play. So why don't we just put down our ego and just learn to embrace each other? Yeah. So this is a perspective that um, I just thought of recently that I just hope to share and hopefully it can help people become happier, you know, and more positive and yeah, just, just make the world a better place in general. I feel your aura is super positive and very humble. Oh, throughout this video, you know, you've been smiling and, you know, everything you said is all based of uh, positivity. I think I am going to be trying out this 
um, you know, God's perspective and looking it from the bigger picture because, you know, definitely as a human, you know, we always feel when something negative is happening to us, we will be like, oh, why is this happening to me? You know, this person is not doing great. Um, I've been hurt. All those kind of feelings, you know, emotionally uh, attached feelings. It's just really burdening sometimes. So this kind of attitude, I think, would bring a lot of people some peace for sure. Thank you, Jing Hanks. Yeah, thank yep. you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. We hope you enjoyed this you can also check out our website at www.consig.com for more details. Consig, the world's first and only sales mercenary organization.